This is 1988 Tops, where every card has a story to tell. Your hosts are David McKellis and Matt Kuzma. Let's play ball. Welcome back to 1988 Tops. David, what's our card for this week? Our card this week is Ruben Sierra, card number 771. Ruben Sierra, outfielder for the Texas Rangers. Ruben Sierra, this is a great one. I've got Spotify fired up. I am ready to talk about Ruben Sierra. Why did we choose Ruben Sierra this week? This was a recommendation from a listener exploring baseball history at bballhist on Twitter. Had a request. He said, please do an episode on Ruben Sierra. And he also sent me a link to a post and said, feel free to use anything in this post. And that post was from thebaseballhistorian.com. Article by Mark Shirk. We also use the Sabre bio by Adam Ulrey. And in this article, Mark says that Ruben Sierra is one of his favorite baseball players and said that he wrote a letter to Ruben and some other favorite players when he was nine years old. In the letters that he sent, he made sure to tell them, I'm nine years old and you are my sixth favorite player. (laughs) letting them know where they stood in his pantheon of of favorites. Of the 10 letters that he sent, only two responded, Don Mattingly and Ruben Sierra. And so Mark always loved Ruben Sierra, and he had a, a nice post there about Ruben's career and some of the twists and turns that Ruben's career took and what turned into kind of three different careers. Ruben as the, the next Hall of Famer, Ruben then falling a little bit into the doldrums and falling out with baseball, and then coming back as a older, wiser Ruben Sierra, playing until he's 40 years old, and maybe not quite making a Hall of Fame career, but having a, a pretty successful and good run. You know, 20 years is nothing to sneeze at. Not to mention a fantastic music career and had a presidential pet named after him. So I'm very excited by this one. Let's go to the front of 771. And man, this is a good looking card. Ruben is a good looking guy. He looks great in this photo. He's got a very tall Rangers hat with a big T on it. This is basically just a bust close up of him. He's got a great smile. He's got a goatee going on. And then he's got the chain with the letter R in a circle hanging around his neck. Just so cool. This is really cool looking. He was known as a pretty flashy guy, a lot of gold chains, and I think that the medallions get bigger as time goes on and his salary gets bigger. Some of the articles that I read said that he resembled Roberto Clemente. That was a common comparison was between Ruben Sierra and Roberto Clemente. I don't really see it in this picture, and I tried to do some side-by-sides. I don't really see the resemblance. He always had a mustache. That's not the picture that I think of when I think of Roberto Clemente. Well, flipping to the back of the card, Ruben Sierra, outfielder, height 6'1", weight 175, switch hitter and right-handed thrower, signed by the Rangers as a free agent in 1982, born October 6, 1965, in Rio Piedras, Puerto Rico, with a home in Rio Piedras, Puerto Rico. Rio Piedras being a neighborhood of San Juan that we've talked about before on the show, the home of Ray Quinones. And that area of San Juan is also near where Roberto Clemente had a home. And Ruben's family lived in the Jardinas Seas, a public housing project that was notorious for drugs and violence. 
he had a difficult childhood. His father, Angel, was a taxi driver. And when Ruben was four, his father was involved in a serious car accident. While he was in the hospital, Angel was trying to get a hold of a nurse to bring him a drink of water. He couldn't get a hold of a nurse, so he pulls out the tubes that are connecting him to the bed to go up and get it himself. On his way back, he collapses and dies in the in the hospital. Oh, oh man. So this left Ruben's mother, Petra, to raise four children. Ruben was the youngest. She worked as janitorial staff at the municipal hospital and raised those four kids on her own. And Ruben's oldest brother took on a role as the man of the house. This makes me think of another episode with Benito Santiago, whose father also died in a in a truck accident when Benito was very small. He ended up being adopted by a different family on the island. But this is uh, now several of our players from Puerto Rico having tragic childhoods. And perhaps losing his father at a young age gave him something in common with Roberto Clemente Jr., who he would go on to play on the same Little League team with. Clemente Sr. died in 1972. Ruben is seven years old. And that legacy of Roberto Clemente was important to Ruben and many of the other youngsters of his generation in Puerto Rico. And as I said, Ruben played Little League with Roberto Jr. Roberto's wife, Vera Clemente, would come pick up Ruben from the projects and drive him to the Roberto Clemente Sports City, which housed a lot of baseball fields, basketball courts, and things like that, and youth games were played there. Ruben was really good at a young age, both as a pitcher and as a strong hitter. He also was good at basketball and volleyball, so an all-around athlete. According to Vera Clemente, Ruben was very emotional. And while he was really good at baseball and always wanted to win, sometimes he would let his emotions take hold of him, and he was very quick to cry. And his opponents knew this, and they would taunt him. This quickness to tears would continue well into his professional career. In one instance as a youth, he was crying for a pretty good reason. His opponents would try to get under his skin. They'd tease and, and mock him. And they would mock him for being of Taino background, saying terrible things to him about this Indian background and calling him the Indian, El Indio. Sierra later used this nickname as the title of one of his records when he started a, a singing career. It was listed as one of his nicknames along with El Caballo. When his emotions would get the better of him and, and opponents would actually get under his skin, he would start crying, even on the mound, and his coach would then move him from the mound out to the outfield. Later in his career, shouts from the stands and booing would negatively impact the way that he played, and they would weigh on him emotionally. He followed something that Roberto Clemente said. If you have ability, you have to sleep, you have to eat well, and you have to hide. <laughs> Ruben had to limit his distractions. Wow. He wanted to get out of the projects. He wanted to help his family. And he saw many of his friends and even his older brother, Carlos, fall into drugs and a life of crime. Ruben would just walk away from conversations that weren't about baseball. And he focused single-mindedly on improving his skills. He also probably around this time saw the wealth that baseball brought the Clemente family. He would spend time at their house. He would sit in the Dodge Charger that Roberto was given when he won the 1971 World Series MVP. And baseball would be his way to get out and his way to get his mom out of a life of cleaning bedpans and sweeping floors. 
that way out of the projects and off the island ran through that Roberto Clemente sports city, that center practicing. He knew he was good enough to make it. And the confidence ends up paying off. And that leads to the this way to the clubhouse on the back of the card that Ruben was signed as a free agent with the Texas Rangers, November 21st, 1982 by scout Orlando Gomez. Orlando Gomez was born in Puerto Rico. He played catcher in the minors for 13 seasons, then went on to a minor league coaching and scouting career. He served all over the place. He was a major league first base coach for Bobby Valentine and Bob Melvin. He was a BP pitcher and bullpen coach, and also served in the minor leagues as a manager. He's credited with signing stars Ruben Sierra and Juan Guzman. He retired in 2016 after spending 50 plus years in professional baseball. So another amazing scout career. That is incredible. So Ruben is just 17 years old when he signs this contract. And on the back of the card, the first line you see is his first year in the minors, and that's at Sarasota. In his late teens, he just out of the blue took up switch hitting. He hadn't done it as a youth and through coaching learned how to switch hit. And we can see his ability to pick up things and to move through the minors rapidly uh, on the back of this card. Maybe it's also a testament to the time in the early 80s of what was valued and versus what's valued now. And maybe now they might have given him a little bit more time in the minors to work on his eye. <laughs> yeah, even in this first line, you know, he's playing 48 games at Sarasota. He's got 38 strikeouts. And every single season on here has almost a strikeout per game. And very few walks. So a lot of on-base percentages under 300. And as, as they said, you can't, you can't walk off the island. Yes, and I think that applied both in Puerto Rico as well as the Dominican Republic. So after spending a season in Rookie League at Sarasota, he had a full season in A-ball at Burlington and one in AA in Tulsa. By AA, he was starting to at least show some power, maybe not a great eye, but he hit 13 home runs and stole 22 bases. And that leads to the fun fact, which is that Ruben led the Texas League with eight triples at Tulsa in 1985. It's not that fun of a fact. He also had 34 doubles. That probably helped the team overlook the 111 strikeouts and 35 walks. <laughs> he had a 297 on base percentage. But really, at this point, Ruben is 19 years old, and he's a five-tool player. He is fast. He has a strong arm in the outfield. He's starting to show some power, and the Rangers are really, they like what they see. They move him up to AAA to start 1986. And that season, he delivers in AAA. He hits 296 that year, which got him his call-up in June 1st of 1986. Around this time, he would tell teammates that he wanted to be the greatest player in Rangers history. There was talk that he was the next Roberto Clemente. According to former Rangers GM Doug Melvin, he was a better overall player than Juan Gonzalez. And Juan Gonzalez would win two MVP awards. So there was so much expected of Ruben Sierra as a young person. In that first game on June 1st, he hit a home run in his second at bat. He would go on to hit 16 homers, 13 doubles, and 10 triples. So double figures in all of the power numbers. And he was sixth in Rookie of the Year voting in 1986. Yeah, that 1986 team, David, we've talked about it a few times now. They finished second in the American League West. We've had three episodes about young stars from that team. That outfield 
Odeby McDowell, Pete Incavelia, and Ruben Sierra, all under age 23. A lot of hope and uh, a lot of promise shown in that outfield. That's two Golden Spikes winners. Pete Incavelia, possibly the greatest college baseball player who ever lived. And Ruben Sierra, who is 20 years old and make and makes it to the majors what a great outfield you know if, if this was a video game that would be the the team that you would want to play with for the future right so much to be expected from that 1986 rangers team and in 1987 the last line on the back of this card we have a 21 year old ruben sierra hitting 30 home runs a huge leap forward and that season bobby valentine encouraged Ruben to lean into the comparisons with Roberto Clemente and wear the number 21. Ruben was quick to say, I play like Ruben Sierra, not Roberto Clemente. But he also deeply respected and loved the family, and he wanted to, to be like his hero. This line is is so impressive. He plays in 158 games, leads the league in at-bats at 643 at-bats, hits 263 with 30 home runs, now, 114 strikeouts and only 39 walks, but it's still an extremely productive year for someone so young. So he was one of 28 players to crack 30 home runs and only the seventh player in history to hit 30 home runs and drive in 100 runs in a season before his 22nd birthday. Yeah, there's some good names on that list. Mel Ott, Jimmy Fox, Ted Williams, Eddie Matthews, Jose Canseco. So it looks like Ruben is living up to his potential. He continued to be pretty good in 1988, 23 home runs and 91 RBIs. But his OPS plus those seasons is still right around 100. Good power numbers, but really right around league average as a hitter because of the high strikeout numbers and low walk numbers. But he's still young and there's room for him to grow. That's right. And he does. 1989, he has the best season of his career. He hits 330 with 14 home runs in the first half of the season, which led to an incredible accomplishment. After a game, in an interview, he learns that he made the All-Star game as a starter. And he broke down crying. He said this was the most important game of his career, and his mom wouldn't be able to see him play. You know, he's four years into his pro career, and his mom still hadn't been to a game live. It's interesting that he calls it the biggest game of his life. It's an All-Star game. You know, it's funny because considering how we look at the All-Star game now. But this was important to Ruben. It was a, a validation of the greatness that he believed that he had. And he played really well in the All-Star game, going two for three with an RBI. His mother would be able to see her first game a couple weeks later in a visit to Texas. Thanks to that inspiration from mom, he finishes the season strong, 306 average for the year, 29 homers, OPS plus of 146, so he's really turning that around. 14 triples, 119 RBIs, both of those league-leading totals. Around this time, I think, is when Ruben Sierra showed up on my radar. As a youngster playing in the backyard, his swing was memorable. He had a huge high leg kick, and we would all imitate that. But it's interesting, that high leg kick, if you're going to put in all that work to lift your leg up to your chest, you're going to swing. <laughs> and Ruben did. That's where I think where all of those strikeouts come from. He became kind of memorable, both for that for that big swing and that big season. And Ruben believed, and the Rangers believed, that he might win the MVP award. 
So they had him set up at his friend Luis Mayoral's studio in San Juan to be available for the press. There's 30 reporters there, and the announcement is made that Robin Yount wins the MVP award. Oh. Ruben finished second, and he sobbed. According to Mayoral, even for Ruben, it was bad. In Puerto Rico, this loss was viewed as unjust. Ruben agreed. He said, I led the league in RBIs, total bases, slugging percentage, extra base hits, and triples. I don't know if he had his baseball card on hand for this, <laughs> but he said, I was there in all the major categories. Yount beat me in batting average and doubles. So he, he must have been just like doing the side-by-side comparison. Sierra did say Yount's a good guy, and he wasn't mad at Robin Yount for winning, but he was mad at the voters. He said, I feel sad, but there's nothing you can do about it. When you don't win, there's nothing to feel good about. Just really a sad statement. Yeah, it is. I mean, you can tell that he had this premium stat head access and was running all the advanced calculations. But now looking back, he has a point, doesn't he? I mean, Sierra's war that year was 5.9 and Yount's was only 5.8. Yeah, he was known as a bad defensive player. But in 1989, he was okay. He led the league in errors, which probably was a big stat that people saw. But he also led the league in putouts by a right fielder. It was a close vote, and probably the closeness of this vote and other prominent names took some votes away from Ruben. Yount got eight first place votes. Ruben Sierra and Cal Ripken each got six. Wins above replacement wise, there's other players that year who had legitimate gripes. If you look at it now, Brett Saberhagen had a monster season, finished with 9.7 wins above replacement. Ricky Henderson, Wade Boggs, both over eight. But by more traditional metrics, they maybe weren't as impressive as Sierra, if you're looking at RBIs, triples, those kind of numbers. So a disappointment for Ruben. So his friends told him just go out there and prove them wrong next year. I mean, at this point, he's 23 years old and he's already had 98 home runs. (laughs) (laughs) which is the 28th best total for a player that young ever. And it looks like he's on pace for a Hall of Fame career. He thought so. And he would talk regularly (laughs) about being one of the greatest players in Rangers history, about making it into the Hall of Fame. And he had those big goals in mind. But in the late 80s, he bulked up. He said he hit the weights and he got stronger. But according to Bobby Valentine, Ruben Sierra came to camp 30 pounds heavier And Bobby started asking questions, and somebody told him to stop snooping around. Mm. So there's some corners of the internet that believe Sierra used performance-enhancing drugs, but I have not seen real evidence or his name pop up in investigations. And if we look at his 1987 production, he hit 30 home runs. That was the only season he hit 30. So he didn't have a huge uptick in production that others had in the 90s. So I'm not convinced on that one, but I would encourage listeners... If you see something on that, send it our way and we can do some follow-up. But, you know, the rumors were out there, and especially with some of the other players who would be on the Rangers in later years, there were other suspicious Rangers players. So going into 1990, it was a bit of a down year by his standards, only 280 and 16 home runs and 96 RBIs. But then in 1991, he came back with 25 homers and a 307 average. He makes his second All-Star game. But this was the last time in his career that he hit over 300. David, this is also the year that he has a very memorable interaction with a presidential family. 
at this time, George W. Bush was a part owner of the Texas Rangers, and Rubin became a friend of the family. According to news reports, the Bushes named one of their cats after Rubin Sierra. In 1991, Bush's daughter, Barbara Bush, who was then nine years old, named their new cat India after Ruben Sierra, who was nicknamed El Indio. And that cat lived for 18 years. And that cat went on to live in the White House. So that's a long-lived cat. At a later date, we will get to the Scotty Fletcher episode. George W. Bush also had a dog named after Scott Fletcher. So big baseball fans over in the Bush family. <laughs> no doubt about it. 1992, Ruben ends up going to arbitration and wins a $5 million salary. All of these years of success as a young player really pay off. He ends up as the second highest paid player in the American League. However, that big salary becomes a weight around his neck, metaphorically and literally. Yeah, he starts wearing even bigger gold chains, described <laughs> as diamond and ruby-encrusted pendants. He had a Mercedes with a gold grill, along with a Lamborghini and a Corvette. So he is really spending his money. And also around this time, in 1992, he released a record. And he would release a few salsa records over the years. The first one was called Un Verdadora Hit, which means a verified hit. And No Se Por Donde Empezar, which means I don't know where to start. And we'll play a clip of that here. Oh, I you know what? I just got a text. This is amazing. Literally just got a text from a friend and her husband who is a DJ and plays salsa music. And I asked, is this a song you are aware of? Because it had over a million views on YouTube. And my friend said, neither of us know that song, but we do like it. So that's um, from salsa consultant, Aaron. Thank you, Aaron. I like this song, David. I've my wife and I have visited Puerto Rico several times, and this is music that's very familiar to me. I really like Ruben's voice. I think he's got a very good voice here. We'll add this to our 1988 Tops Spotify playlist. I thought that this might be just a vanity project, but it doesn't sound like amateur stuff. It sounds pretty professional. That song had 450,000 plays on Spotify, over a million views on YouTube. But we really do have to talk about this other album art from his 1994 record, Imagen Viva. Is that live image? Yeah, it means live image. And this cover art, David, is a very live image. What you see is Ruben Sierra shirtless and washing a car, although it really just looks like he's spraying himself down with a garden hose. This is like a 1920s car that he's next to. But yeah, he's mostly washing Ruben. <laughs> yeah, this is uh, there's a lot of confidence shown here by Ruben, but he is backing it up with great music and maybe a little more slim than what Bobby Valentine had noticed in the late 80s. 
So that music career, I'd have to call pretty successful. With all of this other time spent on his music career, back to baseball in 1992, is he having a live image or certified hit season? He did not quite perform up to MVP standards or $5 million a year standards. And Ruben even acknowledged that that $5 million number kept coming up, that Whenever there was criticisms, it was always $5 million this, $5 million that. And fans started to boo him if he made errors or strikeouts. He did make a third all-star team, but 278 with 14 homers through the end of August doesn't really seem like $5 million man numbers. And going back to that quote from Clemente, when Ruben wasn't playing baseball, he stayed home and kept to himself or went to the studio played music. He rarely did public appearances, autograph signings, and so he wasn't close with the fans in Texas. He liked playing and living there, but after this season, he was going to be a free agent. He likely wasn't going to get another $5 million from Texas. And so on August 31st, the Rangers trade Sierra along with pitchers Jeff Russell and Bobby Witt for Jose Canseco. A huge trade and Ruben is disappointed. Yeah, so Ruben goes to the A's. He said he felt good about playing for the A's at first. He was ready to try to win over the team. He ended up playing in the playoffs for the first time. The A's lost in six games to the Blue Jays, but Sierra hit three thirty three with one home run and seven RBIs. After that 1992 season, he becomes a free agent. He's still only 27 years old, and he ends up signing a big deal with the A's, a five-year, $30 million deal. After signing this big deal, he started burning bridges with the Rangers, the team that he had been traded from. He called them a racist organization. He said that the Rangers didn't want a Latin having all the records in their book. That's what I think. They don't want to have anybody of dark skin, a Latin player, being the big man on the team. But interestingly, after trading Sierra, the Rangers gave a five-year, $45 million contract to Juan Gonzalez. They also had Yvonne Rodriguez at this time. So they clearly were not afraid of having Latin American players on their team and as the the faces of their franchise. Yeah, so maybe a bit of sour grapes from a very emotional Ruben Sierra, as we've seen. With that big contract with the A's, he starts out only hitting two thirty three in 1993, but drove in 101 runs. In his second year, he makes another all-star appearance in 1994. That would be his last all-star appearance. Around this time, the team trying to do what no one else has done, which is get Ruben Sierra to take a pitch. They try to get him to take some more walks. He wasn't getting strikes to hit because he swung at all the bad pitches. He called that crazy and also then got into a feud with Tony La Russa. He criticized GM Sandy Alderson and Larusa called Ruben, quote, the village idiot. Larusa also said that Ruben talked about the Hall of Fame and said if he's on the bench, he's not going to make it. The callbacks to Ray Quinones, there's so many in this episode, I swear. Just the like needless fighting with the management. And hey, the fight had the effect maybe he wanted. It got him traded to New York. It got him out of Oakland. 
where he promptly called Joe Torrey a liar. <laughs> Torrey, in turn, said, As much as I tried to talk to Ruben about the team concept of baseball, he just never did get it. Ruben has no clue what baseball is about. Ruben thought he should play right field instead of Paul O'Neill and thought he should have Paul's number 21, too. And that Torrey called Sierra the toughest player he ever had to coach. He was then promptly traded to Detroit for Cecil Fielder. He's traded for some big hitters. From 1995 to 1998, he played for six teams, two a season. Oakland, Yankees, Detroit, Cincinnati, Blue Jays, and then the White Sox. I did not remember him playing 27 games in Chicago. 1998 was a difficult year for him both on the field, playing in those only 27 games and getting released, but he also lost both a brother and a sister to complications from AIDS. At this point, he's 32, and he's flamed out. His friend Luis Mayoral, who is now working as a Latin American consultant for the Rangers, was quoted around this time saying, At his age, he should be a superstar headed for the Hall of Fame. Instead, he's finished. Yeah, and this begins the third era for Ruben. He had known nothing but a life of baseball, but he's you know hit the wall in the major leagues. So he ends up signing with the independent league Atlantic City Surf. He made $3,000 a month and went ahead and hit 28 home runs, then goes to the Mexican League in the year 2000, just trying to play baseball anywhere he can and hoping to then get a fresh start. At this point, his old teammates, Ivan Rodriguez and Rafael Palmero, persuaded Rangers management to give him another chance. He comes back, he plays in only 20 games as a DH, hitting 233, and the next season starts at AAA Oklahoma City and gets called up and performs well for the Rangers. Yeah, 291 average, 23 home runs, 67 RBIs, and wins comeback player of the year, which truly is. I mean, you think of like going from the majors to then the independent league and Mexico to then coming back. It's really quite impressive. And Ruben is humbled by what he had accomplished. He said, I never gave up. I had faith that I could play. I got too big and I just didn't feel the same way. I couldn't hit the ball out over the plate. I was pulling everything. It just didn't work out at all. And so he's acknowledging that his size uh, was a problem. <laughs> and whether that was PEDs or just being a a huge weightlifter, it didn't help his career in the way that that it helped others to get to bulk up. So after that successful season, he should come back to the Rangers, but instead they grant him free agency. He plays part of the season in Seattle and then is back with the Rangers in 2003. And on June 6th of that year, Texas trades him back to Joe Torrey's Yankees. (laughs) This is insane. This story, this is just incredible. Back when he was in the independent league and then in the Mexican league, During this time when he had been so humbled and was out of the majors, he had actually sought out Joe Torre in 2000 to apologize to him. He said, I apologize for anything I did before when I was immature. The years have passed. I'm a different guy. And so here he is getting a second chance with the Rangers and now a second chance with the Yankees and with Joe Torre. And the second time around works out better. He hits 276. The Yankees make a run to the World Series. And he had nine postseason plate appearances, including his first plate appearance in the World Series, all as a pinch hitter. Overall, he hits a home run against the Red Sox in the ALCS. He triples in the World Series against the Marlins. 
Unfortunately, he doesn't get a ring, but quite a remarkable turnaround. And to go from being forced out and traded away from New York to now sticking around for 2004 and 2005 as a key part of this team. He plays much more regularly as a DH in the playoffs in 2004 and was an important contributor in the ALDS. In Game 4 of that ALDS, down 5-2, to two, Sierra hits a three-run homer to tie the game. The Yankees rally to win that game and the series. He had multi-hit games in the ALCS in Games 3, 4, and 5 against the Red Sox. The Yankees would ultimately lose that series in seven games. But he's an important part of the team and plays again in the playoffs in 2005 before going to the Twins in 2006 at age 40. And he's released after only 28 at-bats. He was given a chance to sign with the Mets in the playoffs, but opted to retire instead. So closing the book on Ruben Sierra's career, which lasted 20 years, he played for nine teams, many of them multiple times. Yeah. It was a four-time All-Star. He had seven 20 home run seasons and four times had over 100 RBIs. For his career, he had 306 homers and had 1,322 RBIs with more than 2,000 hits. Not quite Hall of Fame numbers that his early seasons would have predicted, but a remarkable career all the same. In retirement, he continued to record music. And I think in 2021, all of these records were put on Spotify. So they don't have the beautiful album art with Ruben and the Hose. They seem to have more like generic album art on Spotify, but worth a listen. His son, Ruben Jr., played in the Rangers minor league system from 2009 to 2013. So now having looked through this career and listened to the certified bangers from Ruben Sierra's music career, what do we think about him? Ruben was a poor kid with amazing athletic ability. He was really good at baseball, basketball, volleyball. His family saw so much tragedy when he was young and even into his adult years. He knew that sports was going to be the way that he got out of the projects and that he didn't fall into the life that his brother Carlos had. Carlos was the baseball star of the family. In 1990, when Ruben was at the peak of his career, Carlos was in jail for attempted murder. He had fallen in with the wrong crowd, was selling drugs, and Ruben still cared for his brother, but he knew that couldn't be his life if he was going to get off the island and, and if he was going to get his mom out of poverty. There were huge expectations placed on Ruben. He leaned into those expectations. To be called the next Roberto Clemente is such a huge burden to bear. And you have to be cocky to even come close to living up to that kind of reputation. He had confidence. He had cockiness. He was really good when he was young. Not Roberto Clemente good, but that's not a fair comparison. He is 16th in RBIs before the age of 25, 27th in hits. If he had finished his career with the 27th most hits in history, he would have had more than Wade Boggs, Lou Brock, and Roberto Clemente. He would have been over 3,000 hits. Perhaps that confidence and cockiness led him to bulk up and practice his swing in a way that took him off track. And while he didn't meet the expectations of his youth, those expectations were so high that they would have been nearly impossible to meet. He did have a long and successful career, thanks to that humbling experience of being pushed out of baseball. That brought him back older and wiser. He humbled himself and he learned from his mistakes, and he got a second bite at the Big Apple and a chance to play in the World Series. He went from being finished at age 31 
written off and released. He was a problem player who teams wanted to get rid of. And he turned himself into a player who brought in stability and a veteran presence on a team like the Yankees. It's really impressive, and it shows a lot of emotional growth for an emotional guy. He played 20 seasons and retired on his own terms at age 40. And his music is pretty good. Very well said. An impressive figure with an impressive story. Looking at the front of the card one more time, you know, to know that this kid at age 22 on this card, what a life he's going to lead in baseball is pretty incredible. So thank you for that story, David. Thank you again to Exploring Baseball History on Twitter that recommended the card and to Mark Shirk for this article. And thank you to you at home. If we're your sixth favorite podcast, we'd love to hear from you. On Twitter, we are at Tops1988. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next week.